Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit The Apex Podcast. How are we all doing this week? You know what week it is. It's been all over social media. Yeah, it's pay week. No, it's pay week for me, but yeah, we know it's race week. I thought I'd just slide that in there because <laughs> of how many times I've seen it's race week on on social media. But yeah, I did, I did get paid too this week, which is, which is pretty exciting. Don't know what's more exciting, race week or pay week, but you know. Sure, you can understand. Anyway, hope everyone's doing well. Um, at the time of recording today on Friday, it's just under seven hours till the first practice session in Austria, and it's just so many feelings, you know. And I think excitement definitely is the best way to describe it, but there's also a sense of, um, you know, a hollow feeling too because we're so used to or I am at least used to F1 starting off in Australia and of course we were here um, back in March bit of a false start had the cancellation Friday the 13th being on the ground and covering that as I said um, for the last few months you know uh, an experience I'll never forget and the fact that you know this is the first time I've gone to a Grand Prix in Melbourne and there's been no racing at all um, Formula One car didn't even turn a wheel, apart from the um, the two seater <laughs> F1 experiences car. So yeah, that's about it. But all all going to talk about um, going to talk all about racing today. Um, it's been exciting the build up, seeing so many people jump on board, start you know creating content, previews, and all sorts of stuff um, as well. I got back into not that I wasn't. Not that I had stopped in the meantime, but wrote a bit of a preview piece for the Raw.com as well this week, kind of asking five key questions about the World Championship this year as a whole, um, what to expect. So I will uh, go off those a little bit later as well, uh, do an Austria-specific preview. And also supercars, we had the Sydney Super Sprint last weekend, Sydney Motorsport Park, I almost said an expletive there. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this show without um, expletives, you know, because I do have a habit of uh, going a bit off off it sometimes. But um, yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Um, the racing that we saw, you know, it just you know justifies the the time that we've spent away. You know, you've had this urge you've had this craving to to see racing again live racing that is and then what they put on there at eastern creek was just yeah something else so i'll do a bit of a wrap of that a bit later too so yeah austria for first practice today so no real changes to the format for the weekend so we've got the usual 90 minute practice sessions on friday then a one hour practice session saturday qualifying qualifying is the same q1 q2 q3 and then of course the race on sunday i though the biggest changes i guess is just the way that everyone's going about everything there you've got bubbles within bubbles you know kind of like a bubble inception over there in the paddock now you know teams are to be in their own bubbles so not really interacting with other teams or you know with the media as well just social distancing measures in place very strictly everywhere i've seen 
all the F1.com preview videos so far um, that they released overnight here. And, you know, everyone's wearing masks. You know, the interviews are being done with a two-meter gap. You know, they're using Zoom, things like that to do um, interviews with journalists and stuff that are not actually at the track. Again, you know, they've only allowed, uh, you know, a select amount of media, press and you know written media to be there um photographers i think there's only like five on hand or something as well so it's a very very you know very select group of people and of course with the teams too only having a limited amount of staff on site too which we saw with the um supercars over there at, at sydney as well which i'll detail a bit later um in a bit more depth but yeah you know no gin palaces either i kind of like that term gin palace now that um, ross braun kind of (laughs) coined when referring to teams and their luxury motorhomes and everything so the drivers kind of just get their own little um personal box you know for demountable or something like that you know using circuit infrastructure as well so yeah quite a few measures in place and you know this is going to be the new normal Again, something I talked about with the with the supercars as well. You know, we're going to have to get used to it. It's the new normal. There's going to be no podium ceremony, of course. Um, instead, I think the top three are going to form on the grid, all spaced out, and um, they'll collect their trophies there, basically, which is, again, what we saw um, in Sydney. So now we can get to the nitty-gritty stuff and actually talk about you know, what we normally talk about on a race weekend with our, uh, with our previews on this podcast. So, obviously, not having turned a wheel since testing this year, you know, there's no real spec car for the teams um, to be locked into. So, of course, you could have expected upgrades to have been brought. You know, Mercedes, in, you know, quotation marks, brought a chunk of updates which i'm sure will be sending shivers down the spines of their opposition uh renault as well who really need a good year this year uh will have quite a few upgrades and then honda as well power unit wise they've brought um a significant upgrade for both red bull and alpha tauri so those guys obviously going for a third consecutive win at this circuit it's their home circuit the red bull ring max verstappen great form going for a third consecutive win and, you know, any extra bit of power, reliability is going to help you around here when you look at the splits, sector splits and everything, you know, it's majority of the track is straights and you're going to need some good power delivery to, to get a good lap time there. So, and yeah, we're going to have some weather as well, I believe, for practice today. It's kind of like what's going on behind me outside today. Very rainy, very cold, but I don't think it'll be cold over there in Austria. So, but that's only going to be there for, for Friday, we hope. Um, the forecast for the rest of the weekend at the Red Bull Ring looks pretty good. So, you know, hopefully we, we get a dry race, dry qualifying. Um, Ferrari, I guess, the big thing with them is that they're not going to have any upgrades to Hungary. You know, they're going to bring a whole new car, basically, to Hungary. No upgrades for this race, so... You've got Charles Leclerc, who's pretty much already said that, you know, we're not going to be in the fight, um, being very honest about it too. Kind of hard to take him seriously a little bit, you know, because I could just picture him in his banana outfit. <laughs> Probably one of the best things to come out of um, the F1 virtual racing series, seeing Leclerc in a banana suit. But 
okay, you know, as they were saying on, um, as Will Buxton and Lawrence Barreto were saying on the, I forgot what it was called, they started a new digital show on YouTube, they had a new title for it, I'll just refer to it as Paddock Pass, because that's, that's what we know <laughs> Buxton does really well, um, it's good to see those guys doing their jobs again, back on, at a track, it, it is really good feeling, but yeah, no, saying that it's basically kind of a new a new look for Ferrari that, you know, previously you'd be very reserved, very, um, you wouldn't really show much of a personality, but instead we've got this guy now, 22-year-old race winner, potential world champion, future world champion, dressing up in a banana suit and um, streaming on Twitch, so, you know, how good is that? You know, you wouldn't have seen that um, back in the 2000s or the um, even, you know, when Fernando Alonso was there 2010 onwards. So big, big cultural shift. And speaking of that, um, I haven't been silent about, you know, what Lewis Hamilton has been doing. It's been fantastic. And, you know, how basically the entire sport has united behind him for the Black Lives Matter cause. Um, and his Mercedes team as well, they've gone, you know, a step further by changing the livery of their car, so gone is the silver arrows, they've gone for a completely black livery, which, you know, A, looks pretty sick, <laughs> but B, also, you know, just the, the message that that sends as well, you know, like, while you can't really change the past, and I know that, you know, let's call them the SJWs, will come out on social media and say, oh, you know, Mercedes, you know, they've got such a, a checkered past or they've got such a dirty past or whatever, you know, they did this, they did that, you know, back in, you know, 19, whatever. But yeah, you can't change what's already happened in the past, but, you know, what they are doing to um, in the present, you know, and for the future is what should be taken on board and, you know, uh, digested that way. So yeah, black car for both the Mercedes drivers, Hamilton with a helmet change as well, really cool design, Bottas, same thing, helmet change, they're all going to be racing in, those two are going to be racing in black overalls as well, obviously with the Mercedes branding still on it, but yeah, it's just an important message that, you know, they're, they're sending, not only as a team, but just as a whole industry, um, and this whole idea about, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't mix politics and sport. Well, racism is not political, you know, you know, and I'm not going to say that's unfortunate for all those people who want to bring that topic of discussion up. It's not political. It is something that, you know, should not even exist. We're here in 2020 and yet, you know, it's still something that is continuously, you know, such a divisive thing for for us as a society so the work that f1 is doing now and all the teams as well that have got behind the cause all the drivers it is absolutely fantastic i love the new livery on the mclaren as well um getting behind the hashtag we races one you know just the little rainbow lines on the side pods which i think lando norris actually leaked when he was doing a twitch stream in the pit lane on i think it was wednesday night or something or tuesday night when they when they got there um mclaren hadn't actually put out the <laughs> the renders yet online but you know i was one of my mates he linked me 
to the Twitch stream. It was laggy as hell, but it was still pretty fun to see those guys, you know, the McLaren team back in the pit lane doing their setup work and everything. And, you know, I just caught a glimpse of these, um, you know, the side pods with the blue, um, blue and whatever sponsor they have on there and then you know these rainbow lines and I'm like ooh is that new and then <laughs> I think like 20 minutes later or something refreshing the uh, Twitter feed you see um, this all new livery for McLaren and I'm like ah yes and then I think WTF1 or something posted later on that um, Lando just leaked the McLaren livery <laughs> um, so very funny and it's good you know we get all those shenanigans you know the Lando Norris shenanigans back and how cool will it be next year when he's partnering Daniel Ricciardo when Daniel Ricciardo will be partnering him you know they're just such laid-back larrikin type troublemakers and I think yeah it's going to be real fun but we've still got this whole season in 2020 to go through so let's not get too ahead of ourselves also a livery change for Williams as well, um, which was due after they had their split with their title sponsor Rocket, so a bit more of a, a simple livery, but a very, very elegant livery, I could say, you know, more uh, like an early 2000s Williams livery, white with a blue, and then I think a raft of sponsors, I think they've been rearranged on there, uh, that have been brought through by their driver uh, Nicholas Latifi, who let's just quickly talk about Latifi because he cops a lot of flack, I reckon, for for no reason, or well, not for no reason, but you know because he's seen as a pay driver. But I reckon he is rather underrated because when you listen to you know George Russell or Alex Albon, who have raced with him before um, in the junior formulas and in Formula Two as well, you know Latifi is no slouch, and of course he's the reigning. F2 champion after last year and you know when you look at last year's F2 championship it's not like there wasn't a a strong grid there you know you had Nick DeVries there who obviously races for Mercedes and Formula E now who finished runner-up so the competition was strong and I reckon you know we might be able to see a surprise from Latifi this year not that he's not that I'm saying that he is you know better than George Russell or anything George is you know one of those once in a blue moon kind of drivers too but you know I don't think Latifi's going to be a pushover and this whole perception about him because of his father's fortune and investments and all that sort of stuff I think is a bit um just a bit unnecessary so you know let the let him do the talking on track uh which you know he himself has already said in the previews that he feels a lot more comfortable this weekend in Austria because it's a track that he's already raced at before he's been successful at in F2 so different to say when the season would have started off in Melbourne you know at a track he's never ever driven probably you know on a simulator or something that's it but never ever race stats so yeah a bit more comfortable for him this weekend and good luck to Williams too because you know they're going to need it this year and hopefully we do see some good results come from that and there will be a bit more on them when I get to those five key 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 questions um later on for the season Pirelli um tires as well going to work a bit differently this year um because of you know all the changes and everything so now rather than teams basically 
sending in their preferences for how many of each compound that they want for each race and they usually have to do that like eight weeks or something in advance every race is going to see every drive you get the same amount of sets of tires um so in total you've got 13 sets of tires per driver for every race there'll be eight softs three mediums and two hard tires um the compounds for austria they're not going to change them between the two weekends so you've got the c2 c3 and c4 tires available for this weekend and the next one because remember we got three weeks back to back to back of f1 coming it's wall-to-wall f1 which is i think yeah (laughs) for all those people who've you know missed it i think you know maybe three weekends in a row they'll be like oh you know my social life is completely not that you know many of us have a social life anyway at the moment due to to lockdown and all that sort of stuff which I'll, i'll get to i'll get to that again a bit later as well about you know lockdown over here in melbourne again specifically um thank you to all the people who live outside of victoria and want to kindly give us a bit of flack about it because I don't think you understand quite as well you know how how it's working and you know all that but more on that a bit later um so same sets of tires for everyone which will be good uh but you know if that kind of cancels out the variability of strategy and everything who knows but i still think we should be in for some good racing even with those um sets of tires you know you should see at a track like austria you know soft tire start off on that and then stop for a set of mediums that's pretty much it so you know track surface there isn't too too bad so you know just keep off the curbs basically because they do bite as we've seen in the past and i think danny kviat's one who's kind of um had a a couple of unfortunate run-ins with those uh those big curbs so yeah just 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 stay off them i think that'd be that'd be a good thing and as I said before, Verstappen chasing a hat trick there. Uh, Mercedes last year they famously struggled with their cooling. Don't think it's going to be as hot this weekend over there than it was last year. But again, Mercedes have made several improvements to their car for this year um, compared to last. So don't don't rule them out at all. You know, even though we talk about how. The first three races that we're going to, Austria, two races Austria, then Hungary, uh, that it favours Red Bull a bit more, you know, but given their given the, the, the given their success there in the past, I think Mercedes could easily, with the form that we saw in testing, could come out and um, you know, pole position race win this weekend. Same story next weekend when we're there. And when you look at um, both the drivers own records here because we've only been racing here since 2014 in this modern era um they've got similar record so lewis hamilton three podiums one win uh including one win i should say and two pole positions valtteri bottas three wins including one uh, sorry three podiums including one win and two pole positions as well so equal results and you could say you know, Bottas has probably looked more comfortable here than Hamilton in the past. Hamilton, you know, he kind of stole the win in 2016 from his teammate Nico Rosberg. Um, that was fun re-watching that race again. And that's been another highlight of the, the lockdown is uh, YouTube. They've been able to put up some of those old races. So exciting to see that. And, you know, I guess Nico left a bit... Um, no, what would you say? He's got egg on his face, I think, with the way he... Uh, 
tried to defend his line and you know Lewis basically had nowhere else to go but ended up um ended up on top and won and yeah Rosberg not even on the podium at the end of that one so there you go but when you look at this and Bottas's record here it's a chance for Valtteri to get a, a good start to the championship because we don't know how many races we're going to have this year we so far are locked into eight as a minimum you know if it ends up just being the eight you know which you hope is not the case you know you hope that um the other countries that we want to go to for the championship uh get on top of their COVID cases and um it's safe to travel again internationally but you know not just for Bottas but for any driver who wants to challenge Hamilton for the championship they're going to have to get a good start Verstappen to um, get a good start you know get those points in the bank early get the lead of the championship early because that's going to be the crucial thing um, as far as you know championship predictions are concerned well you know I'll detail it a bit more later but I reckon you know it's it's Hamilton you know who's got nothing really to lose in this situation he will he's probably the guy to beat well he is the guy to beat (laughs) um and it's all on the other guys you know it's all on you know Bottas Verstappen if you really want to throw Leclerc in there given that he's been pretty honest about how Ferrari don't really seem like they're in a position to challenge why not you know I mean what I reckon is we'll see Charles often you know outperforming the car you know whether he'll be able to do it this weekend he did he was strong here last year but he's already downplayed the fact that he might not be as strong as he was last year here so don't know just I guess we'll see when it comes to qualifying um what happens and Sebastian Vettel as well you know with with what was said what he said yesterday because you forget that you know this is the first time we kind of heard from him directly since the announcement that he won't be at Ferrari here's a bit of spice for you (laughs) apparently um there was no negotiation or anything like that it was uh you know or Ferrari never offered him a contract according to Seb it was just a phone call from Mattia Bonotto basically saying yeah we're kind of going in a different direction next year so you're out (laughs) Um, poor Seb but um, there'll be a lot for him to I think prove as well this year then so he'll want to get a good start too I wouldn't really put my money on Seb for the world championship this year but you know he'll try and want to go out on a high or kicking and screaming whatever you know whatever works you know as long as you know he gets his point across and um you know Ferrari I guess they will never admit they've got egg on their faces you know as much as Seb has his shortcomings as well I think mainly you've got to attribute the the downfalls over the last few years to Ferrari like I've said (laughs) <laughs> quite a bit on this podcast because you know yeah yeah Ferrari yeah and also Alex Albon too I think this is his chance to shine too he's finally had you could say more than a proper preseason. um because last year when he made his debut with Toro Rosso he kind of came got plucked in the middle of the preseason um because he was supposed to do Formula E you know I wonder how many people remember that um that Albon was going to race for Nissan in Formula E last year before um, Helmut Marco decided to pick up the phone and say, would you like to come back to the Red Bull? That was not a very good Helmut Marco impersonation. I can do it 
pretty well, I think, you know, some people have said, yeah, yeah, it's pretty spot on, but, um, you know, voice, uh, not really, I think you need a few whiskeys or something to, to get into the, to get, get into the groove, but yeah, Albon, proper pre-season this year, um, he'll be much more relaxed as well, knowing that, you know, he's got his position secure there, you know, he's not, you know, looking over his shoulder or anything, and I don't think, any of the Torosso guys, or sorry, Alpha Tauri guys, here we go, here we go, this is going to be great, you know, how many times you say Torosso instead of Alpha Tauri, you know, and it's funny when you hear people still say Force India instead of, um, instead of Racing Point too, so might as well call Mercedes Tyrrell, <laughs> um, no, it's not that bad, but um, Albon, much more relaxed, not having to look over his shoulder, I don't think any of the Toro, there, there, I did it again, Alpha Tauri guys will be, you know, they're not really in a position yet, or at the moment, to be pushing or knocking on that door, um, Gasly, obviously, when he went back to Toro Rosso last year, yeah, I can say it that way, because they were Toro Rosso last year, when he went back to that team last year, um, he was a lot stronger, but, you know, it's because he's more comfortable in that car, you know, the Red Bull car didn't really suit him, and Danny Kvyat, I don't know whether he's on, on Helmut Marco's radar to, to go back to Red Bull, which, you know, is very unfortunate, because we did see a lot more, more of a mature Kvyat last year, um, I think fatherhood perhaps has mellowed him a little bit as well, but, you know, he was solid last year, both guys, both drivers last year were able to pick up podiums, so, you know, I think, Albon, definitely a better suit to the Red Bull, we'll see better results from him, and perhaps even this weekend, you know, um, so close to that podium in Brazil last year, heartbreaking, I guess, you know, with the, you know, incident with Lewis Hamilton at the end, but I don't think we're going to see any shortage of podiums for Red Bull and, you know, for Albon as well this year, which will be quite important, you know, for their Constructors' Championship charge as well, and while we're talking about Red Bull quickly, I think they're going to bring up a protest to the FIA over the legality of uh, the DAS system on Mercedes, so, you know, you remember that, you know, Mercedes in testing, they had this thing where, you know, they pull the steering wheel and the the axis of the tyre changes, you know, basically saying, you know what, we're so much better than everyone at the moment, let's start doing some funny stuff, so... <laughs> don't even know if we're going to see it this weekend, but um, yeah, if they're going to protest about it, then, you know, might not see it ever again. It was already outlawed for 2021, so, you know, if they can try and get him to remove it for this year, that would be um, that would be something, but hey, you know, what? it's not Formula One without a team kicking up a, a fuss about something, and, you know, go back to, go back to last year with, um, the legality of Ferrari's engine and the oil burning that was going on and their little sneaky power boost that they were getting, you know, the FIA basically dismissed that at the start of the year and said, you know, we've come to a private settlement. And it's like, well, you know, what's what's the private settlement? We want to, as a as a organisation and as a regulatory body, I think you should be transparent with the results of those findings, you know. So basically it's, you know, another case of... Um, Ferrari international assistance, as, as a lot of people like to say, you know, I don't think it's that case, but, um, you know, it's one for the conspiracy theorists to to slash each other's throats over, but, um, yeah, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that pans out as well, uh, and then moving on from that, 
you know, if the testing form translates, then Racing Point should be the best of the rest, you know, and possibly even on for a podium threat, given that, you know, they've got the Mercedes engine, they look really strong, um, you know, power circuits and all that sort of stuff, and basically, well, not just the Mercedes engine, they're running a copy of last year's Mercedes, basically, so, you know, wouldn't be surprised if you got Sergio Perez up there on the podium, Lance Stroll up there as well, there'll be a bit more, we'll talk about Racing Point a bit later, um, but McLaren, they had, you know, season best result here last year for Lando Norris, uh, he was stellar at the start of the race, he was, you know, dicing with uh, Sebastian Vettel, which was great, and then I think he had a battle with Kimi Raikkonen throughout the race too, Carl Sainz was in there as well in the points, so there'll be a pick for the points, and um, as I say in, you know, points later on, that, you know, I reckon McLaren will be, again, team who finishes fourth in the Constructors' Championship, um, Alpha Romeo as well last year scored points here, double points, which was good for, for them, I think it was Giovinazzi's first points in Formula 1 as well, so I think they're going to maybe struggle a bit more this year, but, you know, who knows, you know, how the form from testing translates, um, Renault had a shocking year last year, um, and you'd think that with all the upgrades that they have brought for, for this race, or these two races, um, this year that they would do a lot better and I guess you know they're going to have a big point to prove as well this year because you know basically they've had their star driver Daniel Ricciardo give him a kick in the nads and say you know what you know I don't think you guys are capable of um, delivering what you promised so I'm going to go off to your competitors but you know given the fact that Renault are getting government assistance there in France you know they've basically got the support of their French government behind them they're going to have to deliver, you know, they're going to have to deliver one way or another, otherwise there's going to be, there's going to have to be questions asked of the the team's management, you know, and I'm looking firmly at Cyril Beatable, you know, Jerome Stoll, guys like that, they've been in charge this whole time since Renault came back in 2016, and what, what have they got to show for it exactly, you know, the three-year plan that they outlined back then, it's been, what, four years now? And, um, you know, we don't think they're going to be world beaters this year, but last year, them going backwards, they had two great drivers as well. It, yeah, doesn't quite add up. So there's going to be a lot of questions asked, I reckon. And someone's got to ask those questions of their of their management. It's not just a case of, oh, it's all the driver's fault or it's all his fault, it's all that fault. Very, very bad culture, I think, amongst um, those guys at Enstone. But, you know, that wasn't always the case either. So that's the that's the sad thing as well, I think, because I was a real fan of the Enstone team back in their Lotus days. Eric Boulier there as well with Kimi Raikkonen and all. But, yeah, if they don't deliver this year, there's got to be questions asked, I think, of their, of their management because I don't think they can still go in the same direction and expect any better than what they're showing at the moment. Haas as well, you know, they qualified real strongly last year, um, but their race, they just basically ended up in the boondocks, there's no um, kind of way of putting it, and this was, I think this was the race that Kevin Magnussen, you know, punched a hole in the wall or something, and Gunter Steiner was going to chase him down in the paddock, that they showed in the Netflix show, I can't remember, it might have been here or Silverstone, but there was, you know, a lot of tension between those guys, or that team, um, because of how things were going, so, 
yeah, no surprise at that. And yeah, good to hear that they've got the Netflix cameras there in Austria as well. So we, regardless of, you know, the pandemic, we're still going to get a season three of our Drive to Survive next year, um, early next year, I hope. So that'll be exciting to see. But um, getting into the key questions now, you know, basically talked about it for the whole time I've been on air. Um, first one, it's got to be, you know, you know, will will Hamilton match Schumacher? You know, I wrote back in March as well that Hamilton basically was chasing greatness this year, and you know he's on the precipice of the seventh world title. But not only that, chasing the ninety first career win as well, which you know is the all time record at the moment set by Michael Schumacher. Again, it's one of those things where you didn't expect, you know, after Schumacher set those records back, you know, 2004 was his last championship, and then his last win came in 2006, you didn't expect him to, or didn't expect anyone else to come and usurp that anytime soon, though here we have Lewis, you know, 2020, able to get that seventh world title, so it's going to take a lot of beating this year. Wins maybe might be a bit difficult this year. He's on 84. He's got to chase 91. So do the math. What well, that's um, seven wins he's away. So if we've got a shortened season, it's going to take a really dominant season from Hamilton to be able to um, equal that record and break it. Like if it was a normal 22 race season, that would be pretty easy. You know, I say easy with tongue in cheek. You know, winning a Formula One Grand Prix is not easy <laughs> and never will be. So, you know, I think if we're only going to have, you know, 8 to 15 races, something like that, it might be a bit difficult unless, of course, the form is dominant, which, you know, it, it could very well be given Mercedes' preseason testing form. You know, there's also a point to prove for Mercedes as well, given that, you know, they've got the impending departure of their. Engine chief Andy Cowell, that was announced a couple of weeks ago. He's been, you know, the architect of basically the world-beating Mercedes powertrain and the work he's done at the HPP uh, group for a number of years now, even when they were in partnership with McLaren. And, of course, you know, the speculation around Toto Wolff's future as well. So targeting a seventh consecutive Constructors' Championship too, something that's not been achieved yet, even the most dominant Ferrari era with Schumacher couldn't do seven constructors championships in a row so yeah I reckon and this is not really a safe bet either I think it's a comfort like you, you they'll comfortably do it if anything um and the way that Hamilton is at the moment too you know with his activist involvements his activism and all that I think there's no better time for him to, you know, use that energy to to deliver a seventh world championship. So I think when he's in that sort of headspace, he's going to be pretty unbeatable. And um, that's just the sign of, you know, an amazing driver, you know, greatest of all time. And I think with that seventh world championship, you can firmly... um, put that uh, GOAT label on onto Hamilton. Uh, onwards, and who will be the credible challenger? So, yeah, I think, you know, you can pretty much say maybe Hamilton or Hamilton will definitely win the championship this year, but I think there will be more of a credible challenge from Red Bull this year. Um, unfortunately, Ferrari have already ruled them out. Leclerc was great but last year, but... You know, I don't think this year will be his year either. And even though they're going to have upgrades in Hungary, I, I, it will be too late because every race will count. So 
with the shortened season, I think Red Bull Verstappen will be a lot stronger. Um, look at the first three races of Seda already. Two races in Austria, one in Hungary. Should suit him like a T. So, if not leading the World Championship, I reckon he will come out of these three races with at least one win under his belt and should be on the podium for the other races. So I think Verstappen will definitely be able to push a lot longer. And that's what we haven't seen from him is that to be able to sustain a whole season's worth of a championship challenge and, you know, whether it's to do with his own form or car consistency as well, reliability. I think this year, you know, with how many gains Honda have made and, you know, you forget the position Honda was in, you know, only a couple of years ago when they had that split with McLaren and it was just all going to, it was just all a disaster. Um, now, look at them, you know, they're in a position to fight for a championship. It's 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 really good to see they've been able to rebound that way. So Verstappen, I think, you know, will be the only credible driver or driver to mount a credible challenge outside of Mercedes. Bottas has got to be there or thereabouts, you know, it's it's kind of frustrating, I guess, that he only gets, you know, one year contracted extensions and everything, and, you know, basically, you know, he's he is a role player in that team, unfortunately. The perfect backup to Hamilton, but a very handy backup too, like he's not, I guess, as I wouldn't put him in the same boat as Barrichello, but, you know, if, you know, say Hamilton has a difficult season, Bottas will be the one to, to step up at Mercedes or, you know, even just individual race weekends, Bottas will be the guy to pick up the pieces as we did see last year. And I think, you know, he's probably in a better headspace too coming into this year. But again, where Hamilton's at, very difficult to see um, anyone beat him. Class B as well, who's going to win that battle? I said, yeah, McLaren, you know, just purely on their driver lineup and how consistent they are. Um, the car better this year than it was last year, um, which is the feedback from both Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. Obviously, Sainz is Ferrari bound next year, but McLaren have said that they're going to keep an open book approach with him, which is going to be good too. You know, it's, again, really sad, you know, given that, you know, there's no real... There wasn't, like, you know, any acrimony or anything between the two parties, but the Science and McLaren fit was so good, you know, with him and his his Muppet friend, as he likes to call him, <laughs> so cute, um, is, you know, between the relationship between he and Norris as well is so, is so good, it's kind of sad that we're not going to see that next year, but they're going to want to go out on a high, and I think they're going to be the right team to go back-to-back for fourth place in the championship, and why I don't think Racing Point will do it, well, it's purely because, you know, I think driver consistency you know we haven't really seen that from Lance Stroll at the moment um hopefully maybe with a competitive car this year we do see a lot more consistency from him but I reckon you know Perez will be hoovering up the points wherever possible can get the podiums if the car is up there and what's also going to work to their benefit too is the fact that you know we're going to have basically a freeze on you know major development changes between this year and next so if they start off this year with a good car they're going to take that into next year as well and you know whatever developments they do bring will be quite crucial to keeping them there so I guess it all depends on how consistent Racing Point's lineup will be but I think McLaren over a whole season might be able to deliver that fourth place that Racing Point won't. Renault and AlphaTauri 
they'll be there thereabouts but again you know you want those results from Renault because kicking the nads from Ricardo uh to say yeah well I don't think your guys are quite there but it also is going to be a test of Renault's management as I said too and I think more people should start talking about it as well because you know what's the if if it's not working then it starts from the top you know so you know and you see other teams whether it's you know in other codes of sport you know if there's things that are not working um there's usually changes from the top you know if that means sacking a coach or you know making management changes and all that so yeah i'd like to see a bit of pressure on cyril abitable if um if possible this year if they're not doing well um next question will the calendar see further impact from the pandemic yes i think um we've got those eight races obviously locked away we should see some new races hopefully come into play after monza in september so like some magello imola being talked about i think magello will be has pretty much been guaranteed or given a guaranteed yes um and also the algarve circuit in portugal which is really exciting be really well even with jello they both are excellent circuits that have driven on um some games in the past and i think they will do really well in f1 but moving outside of europe i think will be the big challenge at the moment so when you look at um how what the situation is in asia you know they want to go to china um Singapore is off Japan you'd say that that's off too so you know is it worth it because you know I think there was another a second wave in Beijing that's going on at the moment so they're going to have to catch up with that to be able to make it safe and also the Americas again just doesn't look like you know they've got on top of their situation at the moment with the pandemic so and with all the other stuff going on too might be not the best place to go and Canada I thought you know you would have ruled Canada out because of the cold weather but hey you know they might still go there be good though like the Canadian Grand Prix (laughs) whenever it's on but um, whether it's um, impacted by cold weather and stuff like that we'll just have to wait and see but yeah the season should still finish you know in Bahrain and Abu Dhabi whether we have to do back-to-back races there will remains to be seen there were talks about you know Sochi doing back-to-back races as well Um, got a I don't know what I'd need to to stay attentive to to back-to-back races at Sochi. It's such a boring event. <laughs> I'm sure many of you will agree with me on that too. And then finally, you know, will all ten teams make it to 2021? So, I've you know made mention of it previously as well about the troubles that are currently engulfing the likes of Williams. Then only a couple of weeks ago, McLaren as well announced that, you know, they've uh, had a substantial loss, you know, Australian $270 million, uh, which is 150 million pounds. You know, they've laid off about 1,200 staff as well across the McLaren group. But, um, sorry, no, they've secured a loan for 150 million pounds. I forgot what their... um, their losses were but yeah they've been able to secure a loan from the national bank of bahrain um which is part owned actually by the company that um uh is a majority stakeholder mumtalakat so but yeah they're looking to offload some shares or do some uh, rearranging of their shareholdings williams of course you know open to a sale or a partial sale of their team too to secure their future and i think it's just 
bad timing with uh, the pandemic. I'm sure everyone was looking forward to, or these teams in particular were looking forward to the budget cap that was going to come in next year, 145 million US dollars, 211 Australian million. Um, and the sliding scale too, because a team like Williams, if they do finish last in the championship this year, they're going to get more time in the wind tunnel next year, which, you know, when you look at it as a long-term or mid-to-long-term prospect, it will be a lot more better for them in the next few years rather than, you know, they're going to be operating a loss and this and that. So and even a team like Haas, who basically they've said, or Gene Haas has said that he doesn't want to be in the sport if it means um, they're going to continue finishing where they are. They want to be competitive. Everyone wants to be competitive. So, you know, it's just we hope that all the teams survive heading into next year because I think Formula One's going to be better from next year, you know, with all these changes that they're bringing, you know, the budget caps, the the sliding scales and all that on the performance and everything too. So as long as they can all get there, I think, you know, that's going to be um, the challenge and hopefully they all do that. But I think that's it. I think that's it for Formula One. Jeez, 45 minutes worth of F1 chat. And I mean, where am I going to squeeze in this supercar stuff to? Because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there as well. Um, well, there was no better way for supercars to return over the last weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park than a nail-biting battle between Scott McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisberg and the two Kiwis, the two main protagonists in the championship for the last few years, you know, Ford versus Holden, that rivalry, and only 0.18 seconds difference across the line, um, so good, you know, that was, that was race seven on Saturday, I think, yeah, if you want to sum up what supercars is, you just look at that race, you look at that battle between those guys, so close, you know, you had a st- strong start from from McLaughlin um, at, in that race, he was on pole position, bit of concern about his tyres too, and I think tyres was the big talking point over the weekend, and for all the right reasons too, because, you know, Dunlop has basically said we can only manufacture this many tyres per weekend, um, and that means each team, I think, gets like 20 sets or something per weekend, um, putting the onus on how tyres are managed, so definitely not a gimmick, it's all organic, but it's a variable that created the surprise element that I kept talking about um, in the build-up, you know, I said, expect some surprises this weekend, expect some surprises, and we we got that with the way that um, the results panned out, so basically, yeah, you know, the first race, people want to start off on a high, you know, they'll use their good tyres and everything, Um, you got to basically, what do you call it, Uh, change a minimum of two tyres per race, um, in the single stop that they have, there's no refueling. You saw some teams changing three tyres because, as far as how many, you know, when you look at the strategy and the time lost in the pit lane with the six people that you have allowed to work on the car, one of them is the air spike man, which you know on the right side of the car where the um, where the fuel goes and the air spike is, um, you know, he's in the way while he's doing his job. So for the two people who have to, two people on each side who have to change a tyre. They're going to have to then walk around him to be able to change a tire if they're you know changing front or a rear. So that's why, and it also worked because the loaded side where the tire hurts more at this circuit at Sydney Motorsport Park is on the left side. So, or have I just got that wrong? 
<laughs> I just, yeah, no, it's the left side where you have the air spike man and the right side um, is the more loaded side. So you change two tires on that side. So you saw pretty much everyone doing that. And then if they could, they would change all four tires or just three with only the one on the left side where the air spike man is i had to visualize that quickly you know i'm like you know where's pit pit, pit exit it's a anti-clockwise track so um <laughs> it's going to be on the left hand side uh where the where the fuel filler and the air spike is so it was very very mixed that way um the rapid fire sessions too kept everyone on their toes so it was good it was old school um with the lack of di- uh, for the lack of data data <laughs> with a lack of data as well it made the drivers feel more like old school drivers where you know you just basically jump in the car you give verbal feedback and basically debrief like that with your engineer but there was no like pouring over data or anything like that you know the only one doing that was uh, neil crompton in the hino hub which has become you know a bit of a bit of a cult um cult thing i think you could say uh, between us <laughs> um who was it you know i think josh josh kerr was saying it's like a um a shrine we should have a shrine to the hino hub um i think that's a bit no maybe a little bit creepy but hey you know i've seen worse (laughs) Uh, back to the racing um yeah so great race first up you know mclaughlin came in early lap 15 made the pit stop van gisbergen stayed out a bit later lap 19 and made his pit stop then and then uh, basically they were racing each other to the end of the 32 lap race so yeah mclaughlin getting the the biscuits at the end of them uh extending his lead in the championship too and it was just a great race great way to get supercars back on the road (laughs) <laughs> race eight a bit different again so uh the first race on sunday it all depended on who had what tire in the bank so and also the sacrifice that teams and drives have got to make on during one of those races or during one of those stints that they've got to take on a um, ordinary set of tires uh, which is you know my way of saying use set of tires you know the fact that you're making a pit stop doesn't mean that you're going to be pitting for fresh tires you might have to just put an old set back on there um, you're just basically serving that pit stop so you know like Scotty Shane Ben Gisbergen Fabian Coulthard as well who had a miserable weekend you got to say um, they all had ordinary rubber in race eight but the guys like Nick Perkat uh, David Reynolds, Cameron Waters, they all had fresh sets, so that's why we saw them um, run a bit stronger in that second race. Uh, Jamie Wincup was on pole. It was his 500th race in Supercars 2, joining a very elite club. Guys like Russell Lingle in there, Todd Kelly, Rick Kelly, I think, uh, Garth Tander as well, Craig Lowndes. So um, on pole for that. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to take the uh, the biscuits we like biscuits, don't we? Um, delicious bickies. He wasn't able to take the biscuits at the end of that one. It was Nick Perkat who he was celebrating his own milestone, 200th race for him. He started in sixth. Um, and the difference, again, came down to strategy because Wincup took two tyres in the pit stop while Perkat took all four because he had them available. And it wasn't long after that that he was able to hunt down and pass pass win cup on i think it was lap 22 so first win 
for someone other than DJR Team Penske or Red Bull Holden Racing Team in 30 races. So you have to go back to the uh, Melbourne 400, the Grand Prix support round last year, back in March last year, uh, where Chas Mostert won for Tickford. So a strong run for those teams, the juggernauts, you got to say. And Brad Jones Racing, I think 2016 at Winton was the last time they were able to win a race, and that was when Tim Slade dominated the weekend, taking two from two. And for Perkad himself, first win for him since Adelaide 2016 as well, where he won that strange wet race um, for Lucas Dumbrell Motorsports. So... It was such a feel-good, like, you know, we had this strong first race between, you know, Shane and Scotty battle between them. Then you had this second race where you had someone other than the two top teams win a race as well. Um, and Nick Perkett, who's a favourite, I guess, you know, in the paddock, such a cool guy, um, take the win. And then the second race, sorry, the third and final race, I'll get to that, you had Lee Holdsworth put on a masterclass, you know, carved up the field, kept his powder dry throughout the weekend um, and was able to get on the podium, finish second behind Scott McLaughlin. So, you know, if the race was a couple of laps longer, I reckon Lee had the better tyres to be able to catch up to Scotty. In the end, it was, I think, one and a half seconds difference between the two. But going back to race eight, <laughs> getting a bit of getting a bit ahead of myself, but um, going back to race eight, it was a great battle for third, um, we had Scott McLaughlin there, Cam Waters, David Reynolds, Chaz Mostert, um, Mostert and McLaughlin had the better tyres in that situation, but just the way that they were kind of, you know, two abreast, behind two abreast, heading into those corners, um, I think there was a bit of contact between Waters and McLaughlin, left a bit of an invoice on the Shell V power car on the rear bumper, but it was just fascinating. It was just like, oh, you know, biting on with the nails off your fingers, sitting at the edge of your seat, um, maybe yelling at the TV. You know, it just depends on how excited you get about these things. But seriously, it was so close. It was so exciting. And then, of course, McLaughlin ended up on the podium there and, yeah, had a perfect record over the weekend for podiums. You know, two wins at a podium. Win Cup, three podiums for him, which, you know, keeps him in a good position in the championship too. But yeah, you know, going on to, to Lee, how he went on in race nine. So started from fourth, good start, but then dropped to P6, ran long to lap 18 to make his pit stop. And then from seventh, um, when he rejoined, he was able to basically just side past the field you know Todd Hazelwood who had a good start to the race unfortunately he wasn't able to convert what could have been the podium uh, Van Gisbergen, Mark Winterbottom and David Reynolds all just easy meat for, for Holdsworth and then of course Win Cup the final victim for him um, for P2 so yeah Win Cup finishing third in that race and um, you know we've we've said this a lot about Lee Holdsworth where he's he's such a good driver but just for whatever reason, the car's not there, and I think now that Tickford are getting a bit more consistent across all their cars, you know, we've seen, you know, Davison on the podium when he was there, but you saw, you know, Cam Waters up there, Adelaide this year, and then now you got Lee getting a, on the podium, uh, first solo podium for him at Tickford as well, so good good result for him, and just good racing all, all round over the weekend, I just can't speak any higher of it, and Looking at the championship standings, Scotty leading it, but, you know, 49 points, that's nothing over um, Jamie Wincup. So, and behind him, 142 points, Chas Mostert in third still, so 
even though he wasn't on the podium this weekend, he was still consistent with his results and still within that um, crucial window he needs to be. Then Cam Waters, 163 points behind in fourth, and uh, David Reynolds sitting fifth with 182 points in arrears. Shane Van Giesbergen, though, down in eighth, and... Um, He's 221 points behind, which is almost um, a round's worth of win. Sorry, a round's worth of points because um, you get 300 per round, and um, that's because he had a DNF next to his name in Adelaide. So, bit of a bit of a fight back f- involved for Gizzy, but you know, like he did in the E series, he was able to come back um, from a few DNF results to to win the championship. So, you know, maybe that might be a guide to look at for the championship this year. But again, you know. At a circuit like Sydney Motorsport Park, I couldn't have expected any less from McLaughlin. It's a type of circuit that he's really strong at. And looks like we're heading back there um, in July, July 17 to 18. It was meant to be the weekend for the Winton Super Sprint, but that's not going to happen now. Thank you to the lovely people of Melbourne, um, of which, you know, I am a Melbourneian. Not so proud anymore, i got to say, because um, the second wave is kind of... Uh, you know, just run amok. I mean, it's it's concentrated. That's the good thing about it. It's all in specific areas which have now gone into lockdown. But as a result of that, the reaction of the country, you got to say, has been quite negative towards us. You know, um, the plans to reopen the borders between Victoria and South Australia on the 20th of July, they've gone, you know, they're not doing any of that. And in fact, anyone driving around with Victorian number plates in South Australia at the moment, they're getting their cars vandalised and stuff like that, and same thing happening in New South Wales too, the same, yes, New South Wales, the same state that let a cruise ship full of sick people in, (laughs) let's not uh, forget about that so quickly, Um, and Queensland as well, I think, and this is the reason where Winton's had to be cancelled, is because Queensland have, you know, I guess, made their... um, border rules a lot more strict saying that if you're going to leave Queensland and then come back or go to Victoria and come back you're going to have to see out a 14-day isolation period once you come back and obviously you've got drivers who live in Queensland you've got two teams three teams sorry who are based out of Queensland as well there's three weeks between the 18th of July when the event was supposed to finish in Winton and then the next round in Darwin and logistically it just was not possible to then you know go back to Queensland do your 14 days and then get ready to go to Darwin you wouldn't be able to turn the car around because you're all stuck in isolation so on that basis they've had to and you know I've got to congratulate them for making the decision really quickly supercars they've decided to can Winton even though Winton is like 200 kilometers away from Melbourne, to the north of Melbourne, so you wouldn't even be coming through Melbourne. <laughs> but, you know, that's the rules. you got to abide by uh, what the government say um, in in these times. So instead, we've just got to be appreciative that uh, we're going to have another round of races at Sydney Motorsport Park. So that's going to be three rounds this year at Eastern Creek, but they're going to change it. Hopefully the lights will be ready, so we're going to have like a day-nighter style event, so we're going to have a night race on the Saturday, um, and then Sunday we'll have the two races, two other races during the day, still going to have the support categories as well, um, which will be exciting because, you know, Super 2, Super 3 combined their grids this year, Carrera Cup and uh, the Toyota 86 Racing Series 2 
and they're going to allow fans. You know, that's how good these people in New South Wales have been compared to us naughty Victorians that um, they're going to allow possibly up to 10,000 fans to be trackside, obviously with social distancing and everything enforced as well. But um, yeah, you know, they're allowing fans into the footy over there now. And I think in Queensland, we saw, you know, a lot more than um, what we saw in New South Wales. So hey, I guess a reward for them for the fact that they've actually done what they're supposed to. (laughs) It's so silly. I'm not going to go into you know, all that, what's going on here this time. I think we're running out of time anyway on this week's podcast. And quickly, while we talk about support categories, I forgot to mention this when we were doing the F1 stuff, but um, exciting too that we've got um, F2 and F3 as well supporting every race so far for the Formula 1 season. And Formula 3 this year, I think, will be paying a lot more attention because we've got four Aussie drivers in there. So got this press release earlier about um, how exciting it is to have four drivers in the category 30 car field um, Oscar Piastri, Kalen Williams, Jack Doohan of course son of um, Grand Prix motorcycle world champion Mick and Alex Peroni as well in for another season of F3 and of course people who know Alex Peroni will probably know him you know hopefully for his uh, racing skills but also probably um because <laughs> the big incident that he had uh, the big crash that he had at monza last year where he went airborne and it was lucky that um he was able to walk away that from that unharmed so yeah four young aussie drivers to get behind which is really exciting and of course piastri is one who's um on Renault's books as well as a junior driver, Jack Doohan of course in the Red Bull program too, so maybe another Aussie to come through there, and yeah, Peroni, someone who's um, obviously going into his second season there at F3, and uh, keep an eye on young Kalen Williams too, so that about wraps it up I think, um, before my voice completely breaks I've got to say, um, this cold weather doesn't do much for me I've got to say, I, I will complain more about the cold as the year goes on, Um but hopefully we'll be getting back to warmer days soon. We did pass solstice about a week ago now, so on to bigger and better things. Anyway, thanks guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the weekend with the Austrian Grand Prix. Another loaded episode next week, of course, wrapping up this weekend's worth of racing and then, of course, previewing the next race in Austria again, the doubleheader. Um, remember, you can follow us on at Hit the Apex Media, um, all the tweeting that I'll be doing over the weekend and, uh, you know, get onto the live blog that'll be on too for um, for the raw.com as well. That's going to be on there. I'll post the link anyway um, on Twitter once we get to the race start. And then, yeah, we're basically are kind of expanded, I think, with our podcast platforms. You know, we're already on Spotify, Apple. I think we're on Google now. And, you know, it'll be on YouTube too in a few hours' time after after recording. So get on to it, guys. And uh, remember, stay safe, be kind to one another, and uh, let's just enjoy the racing. Ciao.